people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, it's my great pleasure to be talking with Steph. Welcome, Steph. Hi, Helen. Thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted about this conversation because you and I have already shared some thoughts off this recording on LinkedIn and different places. And I think there's a really interesting theme to tangle with about this notion of what is work and why I think particularly you'll be able to bring something fascinating to this conversation is you've been doing some interesting things in your workscape recently that probably raises many of the issues that we're going to talk about. So maybe we could kick off and start if well, what's going on in your workscape right now, Steph? Mm. And do you mean raises with a Z or with a with a R A I S E? <laughs> well, it could be either. Let's see. <laughs> um, so, what is going on for, for in my workscape? I think I, you know we were talking just off air about the binary of of some of the binaries people apply to work, and I think. I would actually almost rephrase your question you've just put to me around what's happening in your lifescape, because to me, there is this idea of life and work and, and it being a binary is just a bit of an alien concept. So in my lifescape, bring it, bring it on. So, so you're not the only one who can be the provocateur, Helen. So in my in my lifescape experiences at the moment, I'm playing with podcasting. So I've been playing with that for a little while, actually. I feel like that's a fairly consistent part of my my lifescape, my workscape yes. is podcasting. So I have a podcast called Steps Business Bookshelf, which is funny. It's the thing that brings in the least revenue from a kind of it's it's kind of an expensive hobby, really, more than anything. But I it's something I've been doing most consistently over the last two years and or two and a bit years now. And it's really interesting to see how that has just evolved and it has just become this thing I do and I this work I put out if you want to um, or ship you know if you want to use Seth Godin's language every week yep and has and it has a link to my hobby which is reading as well so that's one of the things and for me that was always an experiment in consistency and then an experiment in a medium that I love and I love consuming but wanted to experiment on the other side of it so, as well. So could I, if I was asking the mm. question, well, why are you doing it then if it's not bringing any revenue? Is it something about that? It's an opportunity to experiment. 100%. And it's practice. And I think that was the thing for me. I'm, I am really, really rubbish at practicing anything. If I'm going to practice, I have to turn it into a thing, a business, a side hustle, yeah. you know, whatever it has to be. I cannot almost um, I feel like I'm unable to practice anything I get without. that because when I was um, a, a teenager I learned to play the piano mm. and there was an element where just that sitting down and playing the piano with nobody nice. there was an opportunity for me to be in a band like situation yes. and it was like in the band it's like here now live audience go you can't mm -hmm. stop was actually far more the growth opportunity than just sitting in an empty room in the lounge you know playing yeah. the same song over and over again so something for me about context really mm -hmm. does help with that what actually am I really learning here and how do I really apply it and ground it so I get that yeah yeah, yeah. and the social and think for them you know I had a similar teenage experience but with guitar instead of piano of joining a band when I knew absolutely nothing about playing guitar because that was how I was going to learn was yes. suddenly being thrust upon a stage and the social element to that as well was, yes. was hugely important so those that's one thing I've been playing with for the last yes. little while more recently graphic design has come into my workscape maybe slightly more more formally and I took some took, made the most of the gift of time that 2020 provided me with some of the compared to some of the other work I was doing which was less 
there's less activity on last year mm -hmm. and decided to do something I'd been wanting to do for a long time, which was do my graphic design qualification or training, whatever you want to, to call it, and finally make things look better than I was making them look <laughs> beforehand. And that was really born out of the frustration of my things not looking like I wanted them to look. So there's a couple of things that come out of that. You said wanting to do it for some time. Is it that mm. when you were a child, you had a secret desire, I want to be a graphic design person when I grow up? I wish I'd known that was a career path when I oh, was younger. Okay. Mm. So in hindsight, and when I look back, even when I, in the, the dark times, as I call them, when I was an accountant or an auditor, I was always the one completely driving the rest of the team up the wall because I was like, well, no, the, the, the work paper looks horrible. We can't possibly send this to the client. And we've all used the wrong color green or we've all used a mixture of different greens. You must use this green for the check marks and things. So when I look back, I'm like, ah, oh, all of this is starting to make a bit more sense now. And I've always had this affiliation with making the kind of design aesthetic to things. But what I realized very quickly when I was doing the, the graphic design course was how my brain had been somewhat ruined by a lot of corporate exposure for the last 15 years or whatever it has yes. been. So, and how underdeveloped some of those muscles were and the sort of neuroplasticity of what, and really learning to see. So for me at the moment, mm. graphic design, doing the, doing the qualification, doing now some work in that area with some clients, but for the learning element of that is now teaching myself to see and teaching myself to see differently. Oh, I like that because one of the things that suggests that sometimes people think, oh, you do graphic design to mm. learn graphic design because you want to be a graphic designer. And that's a very mm. kind of tangible, concrete kind of connection. And what I'm hearing is that there may have been an inner expression of Steph that wanted to come out in some mm -hmm. creative ways. And so therefore an attraction to, well, why don't I do something with this graphic design? But then in actually doing it, there's this higher order kind of learning and lesson that arguably you know you could have been in a very different field that might have been getting you to see things differently but graphic design became the means to a different mm. kind of end absolutely and when I look back the reason I wanted to move so in my previous career choices when I've moved from accounting slash auditing into learning and development uh, so much of that was driven by I mean a, I, I love to teach and I love to learn by teaching so that was you know obviously yes. ticked a box there but really the the creativity of being able to design learning was such a big draw to me and mm. part of that was actually putting the materials together if you're great creating a case study making the fake invoices and making the fake trial balances and stuff like that even though they're in a spreadsheet format yes. or whatever and it's a bit you know, it's not the most um, expressive form of, of creativity, but compared to what I was doing. So I feel like I'm kind of just been making steps towards, 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 and then was like, right, I need to retrain my brain to know yes. really the fundamental principles, which is why I went to Shillington and did the, the full graphic design program, rather than teaching myself how to use the Adobe programs, which I did do a bit of that beforehand, yeah. you know, in order to prepare myself. But the, the purpose exactly was that was scratching the itch. And I said, I wrote in my journal actually just the other day, I feel like this 16, 17, 18 year old Steph is still trying to get some of those needs met. And I've not yet fulfilled her <laughs> in that way. You said about moving forward and some people might think, oh, you're moving forward in a career. But what I'm hearing is you're moving forward into a truer expression of yourself, mm. which might be multifaceted. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Yeah. So what else is going on? Because I know there's a few other things because most people would probably, if they'd been watching or following you, wouldn't know you so much for the podcasting or mm. the graphic design. They would know you for insert here for my facilitation so the facilitation has been the the thing i've been doing the longest so that's i mean that's what what we're in now 2021 yeah so 20 2009 was when i properly started to move into more training at that point because that was yes. you know, as it is for many of us the entry point into facility you know, more true facilitation if we're going to yes. be be picky about these things uh, and then more recently so the last five or six years or so has been more focused on teams team performance and facilitating some of those conversations that teams find challenging be it in a new team existing team or some other form of team so i'm going to ask provocatively and facetiously Mm. steph are you confused do you not know what you're about (laughs) and what you're doing what is going on here well i do live in a permanent state of existential crisis but (laughs) as some people around me will know but uh who are generally the same so yeah i won't name who they are (laughs) But no, I think for me, and, and this, I know, you know, coming back to your initial question or the question that kicked off really us having this conversation was, what is work? For me, life is, is a series of experiences and a series of adventures in, in many ways. And, and that can be travel and it can be eating great food in new restaurants and it can be everything in, in between relationships and all the rest. Yes. For me, when I think about work and how that plays into the idea of life more broadly, Uh, I'm planning to work until I'm 80 plus years old. Now, that work may look different. The (laughs) the level of exertion may look different, although, you know, whatever, we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, in that time, so I started working when I was 18 because I skipped university. I don't like to do things other people are doing. So I skipped university, went straight into work in in the big four. Yes. Because in the UK, that was an option. And so, well, 18 to 80, you know, it was the best part of 60 years. Yeah. That's you could have three, four careers in that time. Absolutely. And for me, that's, I'm kind of seeing work and my career as that. So I'd say, and actually a good friend of mine said to me yesterday that I was very strategic with my work decisions and career decisions and stuff. And I definitely am, but at the same time, I hold some of it quite loosely. Mm. So for the next two years, I have, well, from beginning of this year through to the end of next year, my strategy is to experiment. So it's yeah. this, this looseness, but also this direction at the same time yeah no I get that because I think you know given the world that we're in you know if we went back two years people wouldn't have anticipated Mm. the pandemic and what was going on there and one of the things I've been saying to many people for the last five years is you don't know what's coming from a future of work point of view and anybody who wants to put down these are the trends this is where it's heading is all based on knowledge in the present and sort of maybe some imaginations or some predictions that might be on problematic assumptions. But if you kind of keep playing that forward, thinking, well, still, we don't know what the future holds. So therefore, when you look back at maybe a job that you hold now, it may not have even existed, mm. like podcasting. Take that one, mm. for example. Mm. You know, the ability to buy the equipment and do that kind of thing. 10 years ago, or I'm not quite sure from the timing, but probably about 10 years ago, most people, that was the preserve of qualified radio engineers and production companies so even in this space of your own life or a decade you you and I can both see some things that we're doing that we didn't know were possible and that's both from the point of view of maybe well we were curious and we wanted to do it but also what the reality presents you of what the options are and I look at something like the pandemic 
and both you and I have been in this situation where maybe from a running our own business and client work coming down, that pipeline stopped. And then it's like, well, what do you do with your time? What, how do you utilize it? And I love the way you said the gift of time. So that notion of planning something, I think, has to be quite loose. Like you said, and it's a great way you described it, that you have a strategy, a bit of an intention for a direction, but at the same time, it's loose. And I think it's important that we do kind of hold a looseness to we don't know what's coming down the line. So, yeah. you know, what else is happening in this looseness then? And, and how are people reacting to your strategic looseness? Strategic looseness. I might come back to that. There's a point you just wanted to, to riff on after your, sure. your talk about what's coming next. And I think for, for me, one of the biggest learnings from 2020, and there was there were several around around having savings and things like that, but uh, particularly if you're running a facilitation business. But one of the things also was, I don't think so. I was lucky enough to have I was collaborating with some businesses and was able to continue to do some work, not in this necessarily in the same way. But because I had this smorgasbord of different skills, because I like to try and experiment and do these other things, I could suddenly turn my hand to doing more internal comms or external comms as well. I could then turn my hand to doing some design stuff because I had an element of, of skill you know, yeah. relative to, to others in that field or in the in the organization i could also do the newsletter build a newsletter and all the all the other things that yes. if i look at a lot of not a lot that's maybe unfair well maybe a lot of people internally in organizations who have been building a skill set and there's all there is 100 there is time and place for deep experience yes absolutely but at the same time i think depending on your field that you're working in etc and because we don't know what's happening next having an ability to be more flexible yes and I won't use the word agile but um, <laughs> but also the ability to use different skills at different times and be able to pull different things out of your toolkit I yeah. just think is so incredibly valuable and meant I could still bring mm. some revenue in last year frankly. well and I think it can be lateral too so I can inject a little anecdote here um I was we were talking I was talking with somebody recently about the notion of transferable skills and I learned to drive at the age of 16 now it's not been in my head well niece I have these driving skills that are now very very mature from many decades that you know I'm going to go out and do uber driving because people would probably think oh well you know driving if you want to you know maybe get some revenue out of it that's you know drive a taxi I've actually been working as an activity instructor at a children's adventure mm. camps and it turns out the skill of driving has been very useful when I've been on the lake in a canoe thinking about I've got 15 children who are going to be in canoes moving around this lake and how am I actually going to control the traffic and take care of them something yeah. that I would not have made a sort of a direct connection to so I think there's something about being lateral and creative and imaginative and not getting caught up in x fits into the circle or the shape here and only that and being a bit more creative about how you interpret things Absolutely. Yeah. And looking for those opportunities. And I think that's the other thing as well is having that even in your mind, because I think a lot yeah. of people wouldn't even give themselves the credit for having those skills. I think in understanding what the potential is that people do look for that direct connection. But I think there's something about I know in my own story that I just told, I didn't even 
think about the connection till afterwards in hindsight. Mm. So I'm actually there on the lake thinking, I'm not too bad at this. What's going on here? I haven't really been in a canoe before. How is this possible? And in fact, somebody else going, you're not too bad at this either. And I'm thinking, okay, so we're equally surprised I'm not too bad at this. So it wasn't this kind of forward thinking, yes, let me get into this canoeing thing because I have this driving skill. And I think that's probably something worth calling out to people. I just had to put myself in a situation because I wasn't going to identify that those skills could be useful or could come from the background into the foreground until I was in that situation which for me has a bit of a tip then to say to people don't try to plan the game as if you know what's going to happen just put yourself in situations with a great openness of you don't know what you don't know but give it a try because who knows what will reveal itself absolutely and I really like being able to have that opportunity in the design stuff to almost try that again because that's certainly what I did 10 years ago when I moved my career from accounting and auditing into facilitation and training and learning and development and all those good things so then having the opportunity to do that again being a bit older and hopefully wiser although (laughs) grey hairs would suggest so but we're not sure about whether it's permeated into my brain but being able to apply that and test myself really to be like Mm. okay but I still got that muscle because after you yeah after a certain period of time you kind of do know what what's the direction to go next or you're or you limit your options quicker for good and for maybe not so good reasons sometimes but being able to go I just don't know what I'm going to do with this design thing it's a huge industry skill Mm. set that you can apply to so many different things at the moment I'm experimenting with the idea of book cover design because it's kind of links a few of the other things in my life Yeah, yeah exactly so I think okay what personal project or fun project could I run to do that so as a bit of a behind the scenes or sneak peek at the moment I'm most evenings trying to do at least one giving myself a bit of a time limit on them as well so I don't spend three weeks trying to just do one but yes. giving myself you know hour and a half or an hour or hour and a half depending on how much planning needs to be done for each of them bad business books so I've got one yeah so I've come up with a load of titles yes yeah, the, the art of micromanagement and all this kind of stuff so. I love it <laughs> and coming up with a, t- with a cover for these books just as an ex- as, again as an experiment yep. is this a fun thing to do and again, obviously it's very different doing it for yourself as a fun project than doing it you know, for an actual author or whatever but it gives you something to show it means you yep. can put some work out there without having to commit to a career yes and going and applying for a job at Wiley or something like that, which not to say that would never happen or isn't an option or whatever, but at this period of time, the opportunity is to go and talk to people, to go and talk to art directors and book designers and publishers and be like, hey, how do you how do you source mm. your book covers? What makes a great book cover and what makes a great book cover designer and all of these kinds of things? What is the career path to book design? Mm. And finding out that stuff and, and building the network. Yes. And then doing some of the work in a fun way. And then the next you know, iteration or the next step of that, if I wanted to, because again, all of this, you can opt out of any time going, yeah. oh, actually, that sucked. And yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. Even for fun, it was terrible. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then thinking, okay, well, the next version of that could be putting my name on Fiverr and being like, I will do your book cover for people who are self-publishing or talking to people I know who are either going to self-publish or do a, what they call like a business card book type yeah. book that they need a design a cover design for and those platforms are great because there might be some people listening to thinking oh so it sounds like Helen and Steph run their own business oh that's not me because I work inside an organization I couldn't do that so what would you say to people who might be listening to this about how they could still get something from what we're talking about even if they are employed inside an organization 
I think organisations are rife for this kind of mindset, behaviour, action, orientation, experimentation, etc. And to be honest, I don't know, I think people, yeah, I'm sure some people would disagree. There's often so little risk when you're doing it internally because yeah. you're probably still going to get paid at the end of the day. Indeed. Whereas <laughs> if you're running your own business, that might not be the case. Yeah. So, yeah, when I think back to my learning and development leader role that I had a few years ago, I was always finding ways of, oh, I've heard about this particular model or I've heard about this particular way of facilitating or doing a program or designing a, a particular learning experience. Cool. Where can I do that? And even before, this is when I was young and bold, but even before I moved into learning and development and I was told, oh, you have to have been here for X number of years and done all these things before you can join learning and development. I thought, well, that sounds like I'm not going to do any of those things. So I'm going to go and find my own way of doing it and would run training sessions for new graduates or new new joiners, interns, etc., on how to do a stock count and all this Brilliant. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah the basics and Ooh. things like that even when I was in my sort of second year, because I thought, right, I need to build the skill set to show that I've got this, even if I haven't got that thing. So which means I can then escape audit earlier mm. and get into learning and development. And I got in earlier than I should have done because yeah. I'd built up that thing. So I think it's just looking for those opportunities, trying stuff out. And if you are in a team or if you, especially if you lead a team, it's a perfect way of, of doing an experiment yeah. and sharing that with them and bringing them on the journey. You use the phrase, look for opportunities. I would even expand that and say, create the opportunities. Oh, Cause yeah, I think absolutely. a lot of people sitting waiting, I'm looking for them, but nobody's making them. No and one's nobody's offering yeah. them. And it's like, well, it's probably not going to happen because they don't know that you're interested in that. And they don't know that you're capable. Mm. Another idea associated with that. I'd like to pick up on you kind of quickly went past it, but you said, Oh, you know, I've got something to show for it because I think there's something that design particularly does really well. It encourages you to have a portfolio of here is some things I previously created but I think we can extend that to what you were actually doing with learning and development. It's like, here is a portfolio of experience, not just mm. artifacts I might have created, but I can tell you story A when I did this thing with interns. I can tell you story B. And with those stories, you can enrich it and say, here's some experience that I have done. And I think there's value, would you agree, in having that mm. portfolio? But it takes time to make it and then curate it and have it available to then show somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it takes time and I think it, it takes intent as well. Yes, intention, very much so. So is this work or is this not work, these things that you're doing? Where have you kind of landed? And when, what, what's other people's reactions to it? Do people think, oh, this is just Steph having a bit of playtime, doing some creative things in her life because she just has to express herself and she's not really being serious about it? I'm curious what reactions you've had from people really positive actually from the for the most part and hopefully maybe the people either there aren't any negative or they're just keeping them to themselves <laughs> which either way I'm absolutely yeah. fine with maybe not negativity but maybe surprise a couple of years ago when I stopped being a member of ACCA which is the accounting organization I was yes. uh, a member of when a couple of friends who I had studied with and you know done we grown up as accountants together and all of them are still in in finance or accounting in some way shape or form when I said to a couple of them I was uh, not a member anymore I'm cancelling my membership and they're like but why what what if you 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 know you you worked for that or you you studied for that and all the rest and I said well something's gone very wrong if I need it (laughs) (laughs) 
in yeah. my life. Something has gone very wrong if I need that. So for me, it, it served its purpose. So I think for the so as the evolution has gone and I've moved yeah. into other things. So some of my friends are now less surprised now than maybe. Yeah. But I think some people were surprised because it's it seems like a big departure from what I am doing, yes. Yes. as opposed to people seeing it as a you know uh, not everyone again, but as people seeing it as a layer, another tool in the toolkit. Mm. But it's funny, the people who probably know me more and uh, kind of know the way I think and like to work have said, oh, you know, it's another string to your bow, which is very much my way. It's almost a, you know, I've got kind of magpie mind in that I'll pick yes. up new skills and new things and new experiences along the way and just put it away in my little nest and then pull them out as, I, as and when I need. So the people who get that and get that that is how I work are very happy and other people are like great now you can do this for me kind of thing Mm. so that was also good yeah you made the comment then about something serving its purpose which Mm. suggests there's a mix there about time and intentionality tell me more what your thoughts are around that around departing from something and going yeah you've you've, i've married condo to you thank you for your service and (laughs) or, or even that why are you departing from this this is Mm. it this is what you're supposed to be doing nobody departs from this what are you thinking it's interesting I think because it's such a vocational career normally as well and there's plenty of escapees and and Mm. fellowing recovering accountants out there as well I know who have moved into other things but I think for I don't know, I think it's, it's still just that quite traditional way of, of thinking. And a lot of those people who I've probably got more of those comments from are in the UK. I feel like there is a bit of a different mindset there. And I've been out of the UK for what, seven, nearly seven years now. Yeah. So I feel like I'm slightly out of the loop. But just from having the conversations I still have with friends and family over there, it is still much more the, yeah, you might move jobs, but you don't really move career. And if you right. do, you're probably having a midlife crisis. Right, so. right. <laughs> Or you've retired and you're doing it as your kind of your swan song, kind of that kind of thing. Well, retirement's an interesting thing. Where does retirement fit in the picture for you? Because you mentioned about the notion of that you might be still around and wanting to work when you're 80 Mm. or, you know, heaven forbid, Prince Philip retired at 97. So, you know, there's a many years ahead. He set the goal. Yeah, he He set the goal. Yeah, I I don't really think of the idea of retirement. I think because partly the thing that I find a real allergic reaction to about the idea of retirement is this whole, I'm going to wait and live my life when I retire. When, Mm. frankly, looking at some people I know who have retired and have either, you know, they've suddenly really unfortunately become very unwell at that kind of point or within a a short period of time in relative terms, Mm. or they've not been able to retire, something's happened and that's not really happened, or they've got to retirement and they've just for whatever reason, they're not able to go and do some of those things that they really wanted to do. Maybe canoeing down the Amazon is less accessible when you're in your mid-60s or so. Again, that's, again, not for everyone. I much prefer the idea of taking mini retirements throughout my life and be it sort of, you know, sabbaticals or experiences. And for me, my idea would be to go and actually do I don't know, a year living in different countries and doing some kind of learning experience in each country. So mm-hmm. going and doing the Le Cordon Bleu course in, in France or going and doing, I don't know, all these different yeah. things like that, sort of sh- between short, medium and long-term type things. So for me, the idea of retirement is is less of a, a phase in mm-hmm. your life. And it's actually more of a, sometimes it's more of a, an ongoing mindset of actually taking mm-hmm. these mini micro and macro breaks mm-hmm. throughout life career etc and maybe using them to mark transitions between 
types of work or Ooh, I like projects that. or yes. between it's always coming back to the idea of chip and dan he talk about the power of moments in, in their book which i particularly enjoy and even using something like those mini macro type breaks for that yeah transitionary mm. moments yeah for you know for reflection for learning for whatever it needs to to serve or even a reset, like my own little exactly. experiment recently, being an activity instructor at an adventure camp. Some people have thought, oh, Helen, you're moving into outdoor education or mm-hmm. that you're leaving corporate and going into this other kind of field. And I've jokingly said to a few people, because to be honest, from a value exchange point of view, the money's not much more than the Australian minimum wage. So I'm not mm-hmm. doing it for the money. But I kind of joked and said at one point, well, I'll think of it like a paid exercise program. So I'm mm-hmm. physically outside getting a tan at a time when many people are in lockdown or confined. I've been rocking up down the road and outside in the fresh air all day, physically doing mm-hmm. stuff with kids complete mental reset it's almost like I've tried on a different skin for a period of three to four months and literally because you know no makeup no jewelry t-shirt runners and and physically being in a very different context no computers no social media and for me it's created this mental reset and I've been challenging myself to live in the present and not think of it as having any strategic value whatsoever Mm. apart from be in the present see what will happen I don't know what I don't know. Who knows what will come out of this? And if all it turns out to be is some kind of learning, stimulating kind of sabbatical, well, it has value in itself for that. Yeah. Even if you don't realise that value in terms of it doesn't manifest itself for three, four, five, ten years down the track, like that's fine. That is its purpose. And I kind of saw 2020 as a bit like that when I realised that work was going to dry up from the facilitation perspective kind of went right well rather than sitting here and feeling bitter about it which isn't really my style anyway how could I see this as a sabbatical so this is the break I've actually not had for quite a few years you know I've had breaks between roles and between career moves and stuff like that a few times generally not longer than probably six to eight weeks but you know even so still good breaks with some travel and stuff like that as well so how do I use this as a sabbatical? It's not quite the same because you can't go anywhere, but it's fine other than like downstairs yes. and a 5K, 5K radius from your house. But that said, what else would I use sabbatical for? Downtime, reading, learning, which is then what I did more so with the yeah. graphic design course. And yeah, that, that's great. But I think if I'd got to the end of that year and the question I really asked myself, which I know... And, and yeah, I do very much say this with a, a very strong awareness of the privilege that I had to be able to a, do that. The fact I don't have children and that's you know, child free, but very much by choice. So therefore, mm. was, I had the benefit of not having to do any homeschooling or any of that sort of stuff. Everyone in my close family was well in terms of from mm. health perspective and they're all overseas as well. So look, yeah, all of that context and, and yes. uh, aside. I thought, well, you know, learning is how I would spend a sabbatical. Mm. So let's let's do that and let's benefit from this in this way. And the sorry, the question I asked myself near the beginning of the year when it was all clear that this was not going to just blow over in a couple of weeks was if I got to the end of the year and had done bugger all, how would I feel? Okay, yeah. how do I when for me it's very it's always a question of what am I going to regret more? Yes, yes. 
And Dunn's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because many people, I think, felt like Dunn means I need to have shown product. I need to mm. have produced during the year. And there were different people like, you know, they wrote a book or they got all these different things out. <laughs> and some of them I looked and thought, seriously, could you stop talking about that? Because that actually feels like the fact that I don't want to do that, the fact that I'd rather jump into a science fiction novel and just read with escapism and I'm not going to touch a business book with a 40-foot barge pole, yeah. you know, is, is that some kind of judgment? And I think even your choice of the word sabbatical, like sabbatical often is used in a work context and that you take sabbatical from work. And therefore, what you might do in that sabbatical, some people are, oh, I'm going to write a book in that sabbatical, or I'm just going to reflect and contemplate on the world because I haven't done that reflection piece, or I'm going to, uh, you know, paint or something that is an expression of something that I haven't done. And it's, it's still a sense of, and I kind of tease around with, but is that still work? Because you're it's doing productivity. Yeah, yeah. And so this notion of work, then, is it a sabbatical, some sabbaticals people are paid for by the organization. Mm, so they're not true. having to worry about money in the background. And then, so then how does a sabbatical differ from a holiday? And I think there's something here around intention and the choice of what you do with it was most people would kind of think, well, a holiday, I see myself sitting on a beach drinking cocktails. I don't see myself sitting writing books, but then I see people going on holidays and either because of pressure or they kind of like, they're going to leave the office behind. And now as they've created a four-week period in their life where they can do something that feels pleasurable and writing a book's the part that they're going to do pleasurable. But it's kind of like, well, for somebody else, writing the book might be about making money. So is mm. it or isn't it work? And I think it's fascinating. It just feels like a very fuzzy kind of territory, whether it's work or not, and the relationship with the money's at play in it. It's interesting where even just that use of the word fuzzy suggests this almost uncomfortable itchiness, whereas I think for me, I think of it as more as fluidity. Mm-hmm. So for some of the bits, writing a book might have been felt like work because you're getting up at 5 a.m. and you're you know sitting down for a couple of hours doing your deep work and all this kind of thing or whatever your cadence yes. of writing a book happens to be. I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> Ask me in a few years, but whereas the you know, and that might feel like the work part, but then the idea generation or going and doing some interviews with some people, some researchers or whatever it is you're doing to source the content for your book and build the ideas out, that might feel like play and like learning and uh, more of an adventure and some connection and all those kind yes. of things as well. So this is where I don't think this binary really works. So something mm. like writing a book, which is somewhat vocational, probably. And, and it probably depends as well whether it's fiction, non-fiction. I don't know. Maybe there's mm. that element as well. Why and why you're even writing the thing? Yeah. Like, is it to build your business and your profile, or is it for a creative pursuit? Yes. For me, where that lands then is for each person, it's going to be very contextual and very mm. localized to their intentions, as you said before, and wherever they're at in their need right now. So for some people, the idea of sitting down in front of a screen and expressing themselves in words could be, oh, joy, 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 joy. Whereas other people are like, oh, seriously, I've got to get myself out of bed to do this. This just feels like a chore. I mean, even we use that language like it's a chore as if, you know, that's something you wouldn't agree to do as compared to maybe a hobby. And I, I just find that yeah. fascinating how it shifts and changes as a societal conversation, but even from an individual point of view and where I've landed for myself is don't worry too much from a societal point of view, 
be thinking about what it means for yourself though that does come into a challenge then when you're interacting with an organization who might be thinking oh so you've got writing skills and you're writing a book well we'd like to tap into those thank you very much and do you want to write the annual report and it might be no 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 no. just because I've got the skill I didn't want to contribute that skill to you yeah so that's a really nice point one of the questions I really like to ask people in different contexts is what's the one thing that you're really good at that you never want to do again because there's mm-hmm. some things or, you, or or as you say what are you, what skill are you preserving for outside the workplace or yes and yes. keep it clean but you know <laughs> because it's hobby like that's that's yeah. what you associate as your hobby like stuff and other people are mm. like no that's not my hobby that's work stuff yeah yeah and I think just on that point just to, to maybe close out the idea on the society and what you know what mm. everyone's telling us to do or the rest I think there's this really quite pointy rhetoric last year around oh you know just because you're writing a book some some of us are just trying to survive and all this kind of thing and this kind of idea that someone else is doing something or producing something is somehow a slight on someone who's not and I just think Mm. I don't know like that's I mean it's very complicated and things and how people read into this stuff and why and all the context but I don't know one person doing something doesn't isn't about you yes yes <laughs> and vice versa and Thank vice versa and that is absolutely appropriate that some mm. years 2020 is a good example but also just other years or weeks yeah. or months or whatever you're just trying to get through and yeah. other people are doing the same and other weeks you're killing it and you're doing you know putting stuff good work out there and people are loving whatever it is you're doing in whatever context that is hobby work life whatever yeah. and that's okay because we're all operating on these different waves and all the rest so yes yeah, one person's success or one person's production of something or productivity more generally is not a slight on someone else's mm. you know, just existence. Indeed. Well, what's emerging for me out of that is if you mix in that idea that you were talking about the different breaks, it's like, take the break when you need it. Mm. You define the break in terms of however that is. For some people, it might be, I want to get into the garden, which might be a hobby for me, but of course won't be necessary for the landscape designer. Mm. And that when you're doing something, it's probably an expression of yourself. And there will be times when maybe you want to shape that expression to something that has revenue or money associated with it with certain constraints around it and then there'll be times that you probably want to express yourself with no constraints and no judgment and whatever free for all and so therefore what it actually is going on is a mixture of expressions and a rest period and expression and a rest period Mm. whatever that looks like and that each person can shape that for themselves yeah and on that note so one of the things that's on my to-do list over the next week or so is I'm going to sign up for a ceramics class for this very reason I just need a hobby and a hobby that is just a hobby now about half a dozen people I've told have immediately asked me all right have you already registered the domain name for Steph Ceramics or whatever it is (laughs) and isn't it the reaction that that people have they can't see it just as a hobby that they they've already associated when Steph does something it is some job career like related thing yes yeah so anyway so my full intent although you know if it becomes if I suddenly am an amazing potter then who knows but (laughs) I'm assuming that's not going to be the case because I just want to do it I want to do it for right brain activation I want to do it after my self-reflection and self-awareness dose last year doing the graphic design course realizing that I don't see shape and space in the same way as people who have been practice creativity and 
yeah. more artistic creativity rather than more I don't know, cerebral creativity yeah. around ideas and things yeah. if we want to kind of separate it that way that I would like to I would like mm-hmm. to have that that skill set so and also doing something that is not on a flipping computer yes <laughs> yes well. yes I can totally relate to that in 2008 I had been on a very big project that had been very intense and I took a sabbatical and I called it for myself because people couldn't understand why I would take three months where I decided I was not going to work so I had actually finished working for an employer and wasn't sure what I was going to do next and I thought I could sit around for a couple of months and worrying and trying to find something or I could say no no I'm carving out this three month period of time And I'm going to use that in a way with intentionality. And what I actually realized was I'd been so in my head and so in a conceptual headspace in such a corporate touching computer space. It's like I was just feeling this need to get my hands into something. And I actually went and did sculpturing and got myself lessons Mm. with a, a sculpture and a clay person. And at one level, just the physicality of my hands on a piece of clay just felt so good viscerally. But then in just in terms of like, well, what do I want to do with this clay? What might emerge and of course what I'm seeing about you and I we have something very similar it's like we won't just sit there and be non-thinking about what's going on it's like well this has got many lessons many faceted layers to what's going on and there was a point where I made some things and people did kind of think oh is this going to be your new hobby and I was actually fine with like no the sculpting happened and then it closed off. It, it served its purpose to something you said before. I also yeah. learned to scuba dive at that time and yeah. um, ballroom dancing because yeah. I very much had the sense of something's missing in my life and I want to address the balance in terms of my physicality. And that's partly was just about self-care and well-being. And it was interesting yeah, how many people thought it needed to have maybe because they saw me and my personality, that these things needed to have something going on. But the fact that I could actually say it's a sabbatical, the intentionality, to your point, like the loose strategy, is a three-month period in which I do these things and I give myself permission also to have a day with no structure, which for some people I know would be like, no, my life's come adrift. And it's like, well, it would if I'd continued after three months, but I could kind of give it a little encapsulation in a bubble which therefore it could serve a particular purpose yeah I love that again it's that intention I was talking to my friend Leanne who's the host of the first time facilitator podcast who is my my work wife unofficially and she has taken up golf lessons for this very reason she was like I found something I literally cannot make my job (laughs) yes brilliant and I think there's something too about that that knowing that it's something you couldn't actually turn into your job But also knowing that that is our tendency. Yes, yes. Well, it's been an interesting uh, reflection for me about doing this thing with this adventure camps where I found out with me looking at different things, oh, they could change that. Oh, they could, Mm -hmm. no, Helen, stop it. Helen, your intention in this experiment was not to think strategically, was to be present. And I found the fact that I had those intentions up front very helpful for what the nature of that experience was because otherwise it could have just been another thing that I needed to do for work that I needed to turn up and I think you, you've mm. hit the nail on a very strong head there in terms of that intentionality aspect mm. yeah. so as, as we draw to a close what are some threads that you'd like to pull together of um, advice that you whether you wanted to give it to your younger self or to somebody who might be listening to this in terms of what they've been hearing us talk about this notion of work is there some things maybe to hang on to or hold on to in terms of facing the future of work unknown as it is mm. 
I think there's, there's probably two or three things that we've talked about that kept, keep coming up and I'm seeing that as threads. Firstly, is around this idea of loose strategy. <laughs> An nice oxymoron there for you. But having, and this comes back then to probably to the, the other key point, which is around intention. Mm. So having an intent for, what, what am I doing? And I don't want to say this because it sounds a bit, a bit structured and harsh, but this, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Yeah. And to what end slash for what purpose slash yeah. when will I know it served its purpose? Yeah. Maybe the contrast here is that people might be thinking we're just semantically talking about a goal. And often with a goal, they then want to put the S-M-A-R-T specificity on it. And I'm very clear on my mind, an intention is absolutely not a goal because I don't want to put that concrete specificity on it because I want to keep a looseness or an openness to I don't know what's going to emerge. Yeah. Yeah. So having this looseness around experimentation. And then I think it's back to your point from earlier is creating slash seeking out, but probably more the active creation of Mm. opportunities to try to experiment. And I really like the idea is reading the book recently, Designing Your Life, which is by Dave Evans and Dave Burnett. Uh, sorry, Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. And they were talking about this idea of trying on alternative realities and coming up with alternate realities and living a day as if you have already decided that that's what you're going to do or that's what you're already doing. And I love that because, mm. and maybe because I have always, as a kid, we were, me and my sister, big into play pretend. So I feel like I just put that, you know, I just bring that bit out of myself and I'm like, I'm a designer. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is yeah. that I'm like, okay. How does it feel to live in the body of a designer? You know, all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. Or how does it feel to just have decided I'm going to quit my job in six months and do whatever it is that I've decided mm. I want to do? And just almost living with the decision, even for 24 or 48 hours, you don't really, you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to tell anyone. Mm. You just live in the knowledge that, oh, is this the kind of thing a designer would do? Or this, this is the kind of thing that yeah, this person like who's it. doing this thing would do? So I just love this. And, and using that as the, the start of an experiment, it's very quiet. It's very safe. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to sign up to anything mm. or you don't have to tell anyone. Yeah. You can just live as that person. Yeah. So I love that. I love stuff like that yes. as well. And, and again, it just helps you. And then you might go, oh, I didn't really like wearing that. I didn't, I didn't like it. I'm going to take that off and I'm going to put this other one on and coming yeah. up with a couple of different alternatives. Or maybe you realize that actually what you're currently doing is absolutely perfect. So so I think some of those, so the intent, that looseness, the experimentation, and then to, to your point, Helen, your one of your good provocative questions is what is work? And actually just asking yourself, what is work to you? And what does a good work life slash life look like to you mm. when you're 120 and you've, your, your time is done? This is my other big thing in life, living to 120. But it's... Um, well, the medical advances are there. That's no, probably so. a reality. Uh, so yeah so having done all that what does what does good work slash life look like and where does uh, sorry how what does a good life look like and how does work fit into that and what role does it play and how many sort of goes can you have at it really mm. there's a tip that's emerged out of that for me that we haven't really touched on but I think it's implicit is that and surround yourself with good people who get oh, this and understand this because you know to that point about trying something on for a day you might want to tell one person because then mm. it kind of takes it out of your head but choose a, a good person don't choose somebody who's gonna like what are you 
doing? This doesn't yeah. make sense or all that kind of judgment. And that when you are trying these things, there are going to be moments like I think my own little experiment where I've tried it on for four months, <laughs> for this activity <laughs> instructor role, how that there's been moments where it has created conflict where I'm like, this is really itching and scratching me, but I've made this commitment for four months. And it's like, I want to tell somebody, but I don't want people to then go, oh, see, you should leave it. You made a mistake. Yeah. What, what did you do that for? And it's like, no, no, just getting that sense of empathy for somebody when you're trying these things out so that would be my tip is surround yourself with good people and be careful who you tell about these experiments you're doing because what you want is that level of safety to kind of try things and I heard this great quote in a a movie recently it was I'm not failing I'm learning Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think think as well just to your point as well it's that that point of a little a little embryonic idea like that especially one that's a bit personal as well it needs yeah. nurturing it doesn't need challenging yes. i think this is the idea of yeah treat it like a little kitten rather than Ooh, a like lion yeah <laughs> so it doesn't yes. need, it doesn't need taming at that stage yes. it needs it needs nurturing it needs some love and some, some yes attention well on that very nurturing note Steph, <laughs> thank you so much for a wonderful conversation and riffing away with me no thank you that was great thanks helen Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 